We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. The authority of Christ's ministry is next. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is saving, and he is calling us to repentance and faith in him. But under what authority do we go to faith in Christ? Well, obviously, we have been looking throughout this week at the miracles of Jesus, those proofs, if you will, that his authority is real and genuine. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner returns to Luke chapter 4 today. We would invite you to join us. Here's Pastor Gary now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. No, whenever Luke records these healings, he does so as a gospel writer. As an evangelist, not as a physician. He wants to tell us what Jesus Christ can accomplish in a person's life. And his point and ultimate purpose is this. Every time someone was healed literally and symbolically, that pointed toward the transference of that person out of the sphere of death into the sphere of life. Every time Jesus healed anyone, It pointed to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ came to move people out of spiritual death and to resurrect them into spiritual life. And you say, how can that be? Well, just about any illness can take you out of this life, right? Something is going to kill you, and just about anything can. So to be healed of a disease, which is a potential threat to your life, is in Luke's mind a picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ came to transform people out of death into life by spiritual resurrection. Now let me prove that to you. Let's look at some passages that bear this out. Turn, if you will, first to the 6th chapter of Luke and look at at verses 6 through 10. Now I pick these passages to show you how they relate healings to life and death. Luke chapter 6 verses 6 through 10. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught and there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on, a Sabbath, on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. He says to this man who has the withered hand, stretch out your hand. 
and he heals him. Then what did he say to the Pharisees around him who criticized him because he dare heal a man on the Sabbath? He says, is it better to destroy your life or to save a life on the Sabbath? And what this word save here also means is heal, to heal. You see, by healing this man's withered arm, Jesus is pointing to the fact that he is saving this man. He is delivering him from being under the curse and darkness of death, and he is bringing him into spiritual life. By healing this man's withered arm, he is saving his life. Now stay with me. Turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 49. While he yet spoke, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. She shall be saved. She shall be healed. So he raises this girl from the dead. And in raising her, he heals her. And he saves her and gives her life instead of death. Now, chapter 9 of Luke, verse 24. This is a very well-known verse. Chapter 9, verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? So Jesus says, someone who tries to save his life on his own terms and to make sense out of his life on his own terms and find fulfillment in his life without me, that man shall lose himself and his life. He will just continue to be lost in spiritual death. But if a man takes up his cross and he follows me and loses himself and gives up all claims on himself in service for me, I will save his life. Look at chapter 9, verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to heal them, save them. Luke 17, 33. Here you see the same idea again. Whosoever shall seek to save his own life shall lose it, who shall ever lose his life in reality shall preserve it, shall save it. Luke 23, 35. This is an ironic statement by the crowds jeering the crucified Christ. And it says, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, Christ, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. Little. Did this person know what he was saying? Because three days later, as we know, the living Christ came forth from the tomb, proving that he did not only save himself, but his people, and that the salvation that he came to bring, not of that salvation he came to bring, not even death itself can interfere with. Because the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, beloved, was to raise you from the dead, spiritual death, so that you wouldn't be dead forever. 
And it's not that if you are without Christ that you will experience death. You're already dead spiritually. The Bible says that if you are without Christ, you are dead in your sins and trespasses, isolated from God. The Lord Jesus Christ came not just to raise us from the dead at the end of our lives, brothers and sisters, but to raise us from the dead in this life spiritually, so we can live our lives to the glory and the honor and the praise of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says, All who are in Adam die, and all who are in Christ shall be made alive. Not at the end of the world, but spiritually, here and now, by regeneration. Turn to John chapter 5. John goes into detail, describing how Christ actually raises people from the dead and then gives them newness of life. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead, spiritually dead, shall hear the voice of God and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, since he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. But you notice, he doesn't say now is. Because now he's talking about another resurrection. He says, if anyone who's dead hears my voice and believes in me, they will live, speaking of spiritual resurrection. But now he says in verse 28, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, it's not here yet, in which everyone who is in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth, those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. You see, John is clear and specific here. At the Lord Jesus Christ, from the right hand of God, by His Spirit, right here and now, is raising His people from the dead. And when His people hear His voice in the depths of their heart, that voice, just like the voice that said, Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus arose from the physically dead, that voice of Christ, through the teaching and the preaching, and the reading, and the studying of the Word of God calls us as God's people, and we arise from our deadness, and we follow Him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. They don't start following me, He says, until they hear my voice. And He doesn't say, my goats and my sheep and the wolves shall hear my voice. No goat is going to hear his voice until that dreadful last day. No wolf is going to hear that beautiful voice until that dreadful last day. But all of God's sheep, all of God's chosen people, sometime in their life from conception on, the Lord Jesus Christ shall speak, speak to their hearts and that word will be so powerful that it will raise them from their spiritual deadness to a new life in Christ. It will 
heal them. It will begin the process of complete salvation of their person and their total world. But it all begins not with some decision that you or I make, not with some choice you make, not with some cry that you utter to God. The whole process of saving you begins with the voice of Christ speaking down into your deep, dark, dead soul and raising you from the dead. Turn now, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 2. And here you're going to see the writer of Hebrews even more explicitly telling us what Luke is trying to tell us through these miracles. That Jesus came not only to bring complete salvation to everything you are in this whole world, but more specifically, he came to raise you from the dead spiritually and transfer you from the tyranny of death to new life in himself. Now that was how the book of Hebrews puts it. Chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll read to verse 11, and then we'll skip to 14 and 15. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest earnest heed to the things which, which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, that means from the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or fair payment of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that's sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one which cause he which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What a powerful passage. It says, if the people of God in the Old Testament did not get away with neglecting the salvation that God had given them, taking it for granted and for not being faithful, how much more now with this superabundant salvation will we suffer chastisement and punishment if we neglect so great a salvation? Then he says, this salvation has a goal. And the goal is that the leadership of this world 
will be in the hands of Christian men and women who shall exert Christian influence throughout the entire globe. Everything in this entire world shall be put under the feet of the faithful people of God. But the writer of Hebrews rightly says, we don't see that yet. God's people are not in places of leadership all over the world. And we do not see every aspect and every culture and civilization on the earth being brought into subjection to Jesus Christ. But dare we lose hope? We don't give up hope, beloved. Why? Because we do see Jesus. We do know that the Lord Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And we know that his humiliation, his suffering on our behalf, and his being crowned with power and glory on our behalf, guarantees, guarantees that all the promises of God will be fulfilled. That he came down from heaven, and that he identified with us, and took upon himself the humanity of the children of Abraham, who he came to save, you and I. He became incarnate that he might remove any obstacle between us and the living God. He even destroyed the power of death itself. Every time I read verse 14, I stand in amazement. We would have probably written verse 14 like this. Not this church, but there are some who would. Since the children share in flesh and blood... He himself likewise also partook of the same. That through the second coming at the end of the world, he might render powerless he who had the power of death, that is the devil. But it doesn't say the second coming at the end of the world. It says his own death 2,000 years ago on the cross defeated Satan. When the Lord Jesus Christ allowed his life to be taken on that cross, he rendered Powerless, he who has the power of death, that is Satan. So even though Satan does have power, which he uses to terrorize those who have the same evil character he has, Satan is powerless over those for whom Christ died. Now notice the second verse. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage or slavery. You know, it's a terrible thing to be a slave to the fear of death. In fact, many people today are terrified by it. But beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ came to set you free from the fear of death. We don't have to lay awake at night worrying about it. We have been dying since the moment we were conceived. And we have only been one heartbeat away from death from the beginning. It's all part of the plan of God. But now, but now, because of the Lord Jesus Christ defeating him who had the power of death, Satan, there is nothing, nothing to be afraid of if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death, listen, Death simply advances your sanctification. And the moment you die, you are made perfect in holiness, absent from the body, present with the Lord. 
There is nothing, nothing to fear in death because the Lord Jesus Christ came to free us from spiritual death, the curse of death, from physical death, from fear to the slavery of death by rendering Satan powerless from which he shall never, never, ever recover. So whenever Jesus healed people, the point was not just to make people feel better. It was that he came to deliver people from death. If there was no sin in the world, there would be no illness. There would be no injuries. There would be no high fevers, no depression, no demons, no death. But the Lord merely spoke, and he healed injuries. And he rebuked demons, and they left people's body. And he cursed sickness so powerfully, the person immediately got up and went his own way. And he rendered Satan and death powerless. The Lord Jesus Christ, our King, came to control and to cleanse and to bring comprehensive salvation simply through the powerful teaching and preaching of His Word by God-fearing people motivated by His sovereign will. Christ's omnipotent Word, backed by His sovereign will, is what cleanses and purifies. Christ speaks, and a man is healed. Christ speaks, and a man is saved. Why? Because Christ's word is the omnipotent expression of His sovereign will. As the Son of God, He does whatever He pleases. And as God, at the very beginning of time, He spoke And the whole universe came into existence. The living Christ, the Son of God, simply speaks His omnipotent word and His sovereign will is executed and nothing can stop that will from reaching its intended purpose. He simply willed for you to be saved, to be healed from your sin. To be transformed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he spoke his omnipotent word into your heart. And you were made a new person. Whatever he wills happens. Whatever he speaks happens. That is how powerful his word is. The word of God is the omnipotent expression of the sovereign will of Jesus Christ. Who does whatever he pleases. Now. In closing, there are two points today I want you not to lose sight of. Number one, the salvation that Jesus Christ came to bring was a total healing of the total person in his total world. That is what God has given to each of you if you are one of his. And it is this salvation that enables you to overcome evil in the world and gives you hope for the future. God wills to bring all things into into submission to himself through the proclamation of his powerful word. Everything into submission to you. You should have great hope, beloved. Second, because of this great salvation, you should be the most grateful people in the world and the most joyful And the most motivated to deliberately, self-consciously, and fervently strive to use your life to bring glory to God in everything that you do. Applying God's word to every area of your life. Whether it be your marriage, 
education, politics, finances, civil government, or personal relationships. But you must study this word to equip yourselves for the task. For without the knowledge of God, you shall fail. But with it you shall overcome the gates of hell and they shall not prevail against you because the Lord Jesus Christ shall release His saving power as you proclaim His sovereign, omnipotent world, word to this dying world. And then, beloved, you can be assured it will be saved. It will be healed. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 